title for tonight's message. Uh, it is Walking as Sons. Amen. And I'm going to do a, just a quick prayer before we jump into the Word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word tonight, Lord, as we open it up, as we feast on it. Lord, we ask you would open our understanding tonight, Lord, that we would receive all the nourishment, Lord God, and all the nutrition in it, Lord, that our, the eye of our understanding would be enlightened and that our hearts would burn, Lord God, as you were revealed, Lord. Our desires to serve you with all of our hearts, and Lord, we just pray that the word be edifying tonight. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. If you could, pull up Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and this is where we're going to start tonight. I want to talk a little bit about the difference between children of God and sons of God. We hear in many places that we're all children of God. You heard it before. I mean, people who aren't even saved say the same thing. Brother, don't you know we're all God's children? In a sense, that's correct, but in a sense, it's incorrect. And we're going to look tonight, if God is looking for children or is he looking for sons? And in Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the basic... The most basic relationship that we have with God that the Spirit bears witness to us is that we are children of God. And if you look that up in the Strongs, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. That is the next verse. You can go ahead and go to 17. That word there, the Strongs number is G5043, and it's called Technon. And um, to give you a, a visual of it, when the Pharisees were saying we were sons of Abraham, and Jesus said, from these stones I could raise up sons, he's talking about Technon. And those are, this is what we experience when we're first born again. When you are born again, you are Technon. You are... Um, you are placed in the family of God, and you are a co-heir with Christ. But God predestined us not just to be his children, remaining in this initial stage, the stage of immaturity, but to be his sons, attaining to the final stage, the stage of maturity. So we're going to talk a little bit about maturity tonight. I like what it says right here there's one word here if we could magnify it huge it's going to prove the entire point tonight it says now if we are children the first word that if we are children you have to first be a child then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ but here's another if these are these ifs and so You've heard me even teach before about if then. If we do this, then God will do this. Well, God laid out promises, but the if is if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So 
what if we do not? What if we become children of God, but we do not continue on into the sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory? Let's take a look at, let's see. Go to verse 19, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 19. See, the creation waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to be real, uh, revealed. This word is huios, and that is Strong's G5207. This word, huios, is speaking of the mature sons. It's speaking of a different relationship. Not just children, but a son, your right hand. Jesus came as a huios. He came as the son of God. And the creation is waiting eagerly for the manifestations of the huios. Not just... Uh, the children of God, the technon, but the huios, those that would grow up and be mature. Um, I just found this. This is a, a, a little nugget. Turn to Numbers chapter 1. What do they do in Numbers chapter? What is Numbers about? Numbering the people of Israel, right? Numbers chapter 1. And we're going to just look at a couple little differences here in Technon and Huios. Not so we belabor the point, but that you can get an understanding that when Jesus is talking about um, being conformed into the image of a son, he's not talking about those that are, are just born again, but those who mature to a level that, their son, that the father, his right hand is his son. His right, he knows that this son can carry on in, in the work. And, the, and in Numbers, if you can pull up Numbers chapter 1, and we'll just review, read through a couple. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community. By their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. But he said, take a census of the whole Israelite community. Go to the next one, next verse. You and Aaron are to number by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years old or more, who are able to serve in the army. Have a visitor. I thought they were supposed to number everyone. But they're asking to know how many eligible men do we have. See, they were looking to see what their strength was. They were looking to find out how many men do we have that are capable. And you can look at the size of a church and say that we see... 50,000. We have 50,000 members. But what the Lord is looking at is how many are of the age of war? How many do you have that have um, passed from technon 
to huios. What is your strength? Is basically what they were looking at. They said, number all of Israel. But what, what they really went to look into was how many men they had. So we'll just have a few distractions. Not as much distractions as when I was at uh, the Horizon Church. They had a thir- uh, an, an 80s band playing next door. <laughs> and it was echoing while I was preaching. So we can get through this. So let's look at Technon real quick. We're just gonna we're gonna lay. I'm trying to lay down a little bit of foundation, and we're gonna go into something that's a little more uh, interesting. Hosea chapter eleven verse one. Sounds like someone's popping fireworks. Okay, thanks. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt I called my son. Before we go on to the next one, this is Technon. Why is it Technon? Because of the next verse. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to Baals and they burned incense to images. When you look at the Septuagint and how it was translated in the Greek, they used technon there because they didn't fulfill that call as a mature son. So he's saying, I called Israel to be my son, but they were a technos. They didn't serve me. They sacrificed. They went away from me. See, a son is supposed to come up with the father, be at the right hand. And we see this in... Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. This is an Older Testament reference of huios. Then God said, take your huios, your only huios, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering and one of the mountains I will tell you about. So he was saying, take your huios. Take this one. Huios is different. He said, this is your only huios. This is your only son. And turn with me also to Psalms chapter 2. So this is the writings, and we're going to look at, if you look in the Septuagint, there are. Um, the majority of the scriptures follow this pattern. This pattern of technion is someone who was just birthed after them, but when they became the likeness and the image of the Father, they were considered a huios. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? That is not where I'm. Uh, verse 7 and 8. I'm sorry. I may not have told you exactly where to go. He says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my huios. Today I have become your father. 
Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. The Huios has access to the inheritance. And he's saying here, you are my Huios and I will give you as an inheritance the nations. So I just wanted to show you Huios and how it played out in a few scriptures in the... In the uh, Old Te- Older Testament. So Huios, the definition of Huios, according to Strong's, if you look it up, I'm just going to read it. It says, those who revere God as their father. Those who in character and life resemble God. Those who are governed by the Spirit of God. It's a term used preeminently of Jesus Christ. One who was enjoying the supreme love of God, united to him in affectionate intimacy and privy to his saving counsels, but obedient to the Father's will in all of his acts. This term, huios, is always referred to as Jesus. Jesus is an image of this huios. And just with that thought in mind, we're going to look at some scriptures that are going to talk about sons. And I wanted you to know that all these scriptures that are talking about sons, they will all be huios. Because you see, Paul says that the Father has predestined us to sonship through Jesus Christ in Ephesians 1.5. So if we pull up Ephesians 1.5, it's not... It's not just unto salvation as children, but we're called to be co-heirs, sons of Christ, with Christ. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, that he predestined us to be adopted as his huios. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The Lord is looking for many sons, many huios, not those that claim to be the children of God, but those that are maturing to the age where they can be numbered. How many do I have on the earth? See, the goal is not just to be the offspring of God, but to come into sonship. And the goal of fivefold ministry is to produce not children, but sons. Now watch, when we read, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you guys to listen to what Paul is saying that he gave some to be apostles and prophets, but for what? I want you to listen to the words that he says. We're going to pull up Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to go on verse 15 because this is the goal of the church this is the goal of why we meet together this is the goal of why you have three pastors over you why you have three sitting elders this is the reason why we have teachers this is the reason why you have prophets this is the reason why we fellowship like we do and it's to produce something. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. 
to prepare God's people for works of service. Almost sounds like 20-year-olds, doesn't it? So that, they, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith, unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. So if you look at this, it says, until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What Paul is saying is until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the huios of God, until we all come into the huios of God. It's not enough that Jesus is a huios and he's a son. We're called... That word knowledge is not just that we study and that we find out that Jesus is the Son of God. It is to come to the knowledge of the Son of God that we ourselves become sons of God. That we become mature. Let me, let's go back. That we become mature. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The entire goal of Eric and Wade and Matt and your elders is that they see you begin to mature as sons. See, the goal here is not to seat 5,000. But the goal is that when we count men 20 years of age, and I'm not talking about physical men, because in Christ there is neither male or female. Now he, re- he does acknowledge and address us as sons. And women say, well... Where does that leave me? If I can be a bride, you can be a son. Amen. Amen. But the imagery is sons. And if you have sons, then you understand this. Look, if you have some sons that are beginning to be about the age of 14 through 20, you really understand this. Because you are now looking at a point in their life where you have sown into their life And you are just waiting for the fruit of that to become evident. And sometimes you're like, I'm not sure (laughs) if that fruit is going to come. But Paul, when it comes, isn't it sweet? And you see it and you're like, huios. Let me see what I got here. Brenton, come up here and bring Luke. I want some imagery tonight. We're going to take our time tonight. All right. They're both my sons. But Brenton's now getting to an age where he's like the 20-year-old. He's going to be sent out to war. He's going to be sent out to war. This is Technon, and this is Huios. And the goal is that we become mature. See, it's not enough to have a church full of babes. You might seat 5,000. You might seat 50,000. But when the Lord counts them, like he did in numbers, how many men of the age to go to war? That's what makes numbers numbers. Until 
we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, you guys go and sit back down. I just wanted you all to see the difference. They're both my sons. But one of them is maturing. They're maturing. I've been talking with Nolan, and Nolan's maturing as a son. He's about to get married. But what blesses my heart is to see, no matter where you come from, that when you get plugged in and you have pastors and you have a church that is producing and has a heart to produce mature sons, it doesn't matter what your background is, it produces a mature son. I even know of a former drug dealer who was dealing drugs in his teens Never finished high school. People looked at him and said, you really don't have any value in the kingdom of God. But I know one pastor who saw potential in this man. And today this man is a pastor. He is a mature son. So it doesn't matter what your background is. Being born again is not enough. We are getting taught. We are getting trained. And sometimes when it gets tough, look, I'm hardest on one person in this room, and that's Brenton. I'm harder on Brenton than anyone else in the room because he's my son. And like Eric was saying, sometimes you feel that it's hard. That's what a father does because he knows he's producing a son. If you want them to treat you like babies, they'll treat you like babies, but they, are, they want to see sons come from the midst of here. Amen? Amen? Because as a result of maturity, as a result of us maturing as children of God, we become sons of God for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Jesus is that pattern of a son who has come to do the will of the Father. We all have a life. It's a gift from God. Well, so did Jesus. Jesus could have said, but this is my only life. What? At 33, he went to the cross. Or how within that range of 30, 33, when he began his ministry three years later. But before he was 40 years old, I am older than Jesus was. I was thinking, man, he gave his life for the Father. And he, sons do that. And in us, we have a life. And we could say, you know, why do I have to be at church this amount of times? Why do I have to go to foundations? Why do I have to be these things? Because you're either going to choose your life or your father's will. And Jesus came down to show us how to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him into sonship. So we deny ourselves, we take up our crosses, and we follow him into sonship because he is the son. He's the patterned son. And the work that he's doing in our life is conforming us into that image of a son. Let's go to Colossians, the first chapter.
Okay, so we preach Jesus. We preach Christ. We proclaim Him. But what does that mean? What does it mean that we proclaim Christ and that we preach Jesus Christ? Do we preach about Him? Look at what if look what Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 says. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Um, I think it's in the King Jimmy he says mature in Christ. We preach Christ as the model. We don't preach him as just a sacrifice. We don't just preach Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. We preach him as the model. And all of us are being taught with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect. What that means is that our lives should look like the model. That's the goal, that our lives look like the model son. That's the goal of the church. That's the goal of the fivefold ministry. And God's eye and his heart is for the church. Many times I always thought that the goal was to be in fivefold ministry. But the goal is that the church do the work of the ministry. And that's why he gave some to the church. The object that he's looking for is not that we all go in the fivefold ministry, but that we allow fivefold ministry to give us the wisdom and present all of us perfect in Christ as mature sons. Because that's the goal is that we take a drug dealer, process him all the way through until he's a mature son. That we take people like uh, Jacob Braun and Nolan and myself. That we just take people who are in darkness, bring them into the church, sow into their lives, and they become sons co-heirs with Christ. Jesus was the pattern son. And what does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Next verse. He was with God in the beginning... Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Keep going. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Next verse. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Let me see. The scripture I'm thinking of is that the word became flesh. Go to 14. I didn't have that one written down. I just put John 1.1. 1, 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw with their own eyes the pattern. They saw the word become flesh. And the reason why we study the Word and the reason why we devour the Word is because the goal is that the Word become flesh. 
when the when the Lord was speaking to Moses, I'm going to just read it. You don't have to go there. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 40, he says, See to it that you make... He says, see that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The pattern that was shown him on the mountain was something that was in heaven. We all agree the tabernacle, uh, everything inside the tabernacle, everything even made about the ark is all representation of something which is in heaven, right? And so when Jesus steps down in the earth, he is the pattern of that which is in heaven, That's how he could say, if you see me, you see the Father. Because he was the pattern. He is the visible of the unseen God. Let's turn to John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 6 and we're going to go through 13. I know it's a, it's a little bit of scripture here. I normally don't use this much scripture, but having laid this down, let's look at Jesus talking to Philip and understand what Jesus is trying to say now based off of what we were talking about, about Huios. Verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have seen, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who who is doing his work. So Jesus is saying, so he's the light of the world, right? He stepped down into darkness. And he's saying, I am a son. I am the image of my father. We are called to be pressed and conformed into that image so we can step into dark places. So they can see the image of the father who is unseen. Why does this matter? Because my family is going to Indonesia. They're going to a place where they worship a false god that is completely and contrary to the nature of Yahweh. The natures aren't even, even if you were to call them by the same name, they are not the same nature. And it's not enough for me to go and proclaim and preach Jesus. I have to say, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. That is not arrogance. That is what the Son is called to do. He is to go because it is not the Son doing it. It is the Father who is doing His work in us. That we might be sent to the darkness 
so they can get a clear understanding who the Father is. It's not enough for us to preach Christ as a sacrificial lamb. It's not enough for us to preach Christ in the elementary uh, fundamentals. They need to see something tangible. They need to see mature sons, those that walk according to the likeness and nature and the power of the Father. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Let's start in verse 28. Like I said, I'm not used to speaking with a, a handheld, so <clears throat> it's enough distractions in one night. You were called with a purpose. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Next verse. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. You've been pre... It was God's intention all along to take this Adam man... And conform him into the image because when he said, let us make man, what was man supposed to be made in? His image. And through sin, man lost the image. And so here comes Christ being the pattern again of the image. And we are predestined. It was God predestined this, that we would be conformed to the likeness of his son. That he might be the firstborn among, among many brethren. What's being said here in Romans is that it was God's plan that Jesus would come and lay a pattern. And then we would, through pressure, would be pressed into it. It's the way you, um, you inject or you make a molding like with leather. If you're going to put the image of something on some of your leather Bibles, how do they do it? They take the pattern and they beat it onto the leather. That word conformed means to be conformed, to be wrapped around, to be stretched out around an image. We are to be conformed, pressed into through pressure. That's why we can consider it all joy when pressure from every side is coming around. Why? Because we are being conformed to the likeness of His Son. Did Jesus come and live a, a, a luxurious life? No, He didn't. He came and He suffered. That's the pattern. In fact, His message to us was, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. I can tell you right now, if that message was preached... In many churches, they would lose 50% of the church immediately. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him into sonship, into maturity. The more we are sanctified, the more we are renewed, the more we're transformed, and the more that we're conformed, 
the more we become mature sons of God, bearing the image of the Father. It takes heat, it takes pressure, and a lot of force to conform something, to press something into an image. And so a lot of times we're crying out that God would mature us. You want to go into ministry, you want to be a mature son, it takes a tremendous amount of pressure. It takes a tremendous amount of force. And the, I am I'm honored to be here at LCM because I'm watching sons just mature and mature and mature. And that's basically where I'm getting this message. It's giving us hope to be able to go to Indonesia and to be able to do what we see here. That the goal is not to, to, to um, in mass, a bunch of people, but to raise up sons. Amen. To raise up those that bear the image and likeness of the Son of God. Even if they speak a completely different language, they look completely different. To me, I don't think there's anything greater than to be able to take complete foreigners from God, just cut out, completely cut off, don't even know them, and... Give them an example of Jesus Christ and they'd be drawn to it. Bring them in, press them into that image and send them out to be the light in the darkness. The same thing, bearing the image of God the same way you make a coin by pressing that image on it. See, the point of all this is not as children... Hold on. The, the entire point of all of this is not as children, but only as mature sons do we bear the image of the Father. The world is in darkness, and we are to mature in Christ as sons to proclaim this sonship not by way of doctrine or knowledge only, but by expressing the character of the Father in our lives. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. This is the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news. I'm going to change gospel for good news because we've heard gospel so many times. I'm not ashamed of this good news. What good news? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in this good news, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. The good news is that the righteousness will live by faith. So he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I'm going to preach it by how I live. Amen. Living by faith. It says a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. So we are looking for a righteousness by faith. And he goes on to say, those that are righteous, it's how they live. It's not what they know. It doesn't say the righteous know and can quote scripture. But the righteous live. It is how we live. And when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, I will lead you 
to live by faith. I will lead you in righteousness. And men will peer into your lives. And they're going to see it. So the good news is that you are being changed and transformed into this image which draws men who have no hope. And you, and you don't have to go to Indonesia to be in complete darkness. How many of you work in a dark place? All you have to do is allow God to conform you into the image of His Son. You become a light. And they begin to see the nature of God. All men say they know who God is, but they don't know who He is. In fact, the only, the only opportunity they have of knowing who He is is when they look in your life. And are you being conformed into the image of a son correctly portraying? See, we're all in full-time ministry because men are looking at our lives. Our bosses are looking in our lives. Our co-workers are looking in our lives. And it may be that they tell you at work you can no longer share the gospel. While son is not willing to compromise the father's work. And so at that point, something drastically happens. Well, you could say, well, you know, it's my job. And so, okay, I'll just minister somewhere else. That's not what the son does. The sons do not compromise. They don't compromise. Son might be part of an organization that says, um, we don't believe in this aspect of the gospel. Son says, I don't compromise. I do not compromise. I am a son. And if I, the reason why I don't compromise is because this might be your only chance to see the image of the living God. And if I compromise, I might continue to have a job, but your blood is on my hands. Because I've compromised what I know to do as a son. Jesus was the image of the unseen father. The world is in darkness and we are to mature in Christ as sons. To proclaim this sonship not by way of doctrine and knowledge. But by expressing the character of the father in our lives. This is the scripture the Lord gave us for Indonesia. Isaiah chapter 9, 2. There is a great darkness in Indonesia. So they're doing their part to fulfill this scripture. The people walk in dark the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Are we going to be light when we go? That's the question of my heart. I know they're in darkness. Will we bear the light to men who are walking in darkness? There are men who are walking in darkness at the grocery store. There are men and women who are walking in darkness at our places of work. Has the light dawned? Are we being pressed and conformed into that image so they can see something? That's our responsibility. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And you know what compromise does? The scripture says, if salt loses its ability to savor. If salt compromises, then how will again will you make it salty? 
We are not to compromise in any way because men are watching. I would rather lose a job, lose a career, even lose a friend and portray Christ correctly. Because look, when Jesus came to portray the Father, they spit on Him, they pulled His beard. Not everybody was excited to see the Father. But it's our responsibility to not compromise. We are the light. And look, look at the scripture. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14. And we're going to read through 16. This is where Jesus says it. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, because your deeds is the Father in heaven working through you. It doesn't say so they can see your good deeds and praise you. When they see your good deeds, they praise him in heaven. And some people are not going to like the light. It says the world didn't comprehend it. They wanted to snuff it out. So even when we suffer and men revile us and don't consider us of any value because of the light that we shine, do not compromise in any way. You are the light of the world, and we are not going to hide that light. I'm going to read a quote, and then I'm going to let Eric come up here. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And so my goal tonight was not to show you Greek and the Helios, but it was to stir your hearts that we are to produce mature sons and that I see mature sons coming up everywhere and you're you're planted in good soil and that we are not to compromise if you compromise then we will lose our light and we will lose our saltiness amen isn't it good to hear from our brothers we're going to put three scriptures on the screen i want to give you a challenge before we leave this evening so let's start with uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16. When you hear a word, it ought to stir a word in you. What's in Brent ought to be re- reacting with things that are in you. Go to uh, 4.17. <clears throat> Paul sent his son to the church at Corinth. And when he did, it made an impact upon the people. I'm sorry, it was 1 Corinthians 4.16. I want you all to see it. He says, therefore, I urge you, 
to imitate me. For this very reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love. You want to guess which word that is? Who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. What two things were in agreement? The life that he led and the message that he taught. We cannot divorce that intimate relationship from discipleship. It's one thing to teach a message. It's an entirely another to live it. And to teach it and to live it ought to be exactly the same thing. The truth is that Paul and Timothy were not related at all. But the word here is technon. It's like he became his son. There is another use that becomes amazing. Brother Brent has been on top of that tonight. Go to Romans 8 again. Look at 8.16 for the first time that he used the word tonight. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, his technon. You've become a part of his family. And man, how good is that? But now that you are a part of the family when you once weren't, what is required of you? What is Romans 8.14? Put that one on the screen. Because those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. This is huios. To be led by God means that you are doing the works that He does. You've become more than just a member of the family. You're a productive member of the family. You're a member of the family whose walk is matching His talk. Look at the 19th verse. Brent read it tonight. The world is waiting for something to be revealed. The whole world is waiting with, with tremors like a woman in labor. The creation waits in eager expectation for the huios, the sons that are doing it, of God to be revealed. Listen to Paul laboring over his churches. Put Galatians 4.19 on the screen. My dear children, <laughs> technon. For whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. See, it's not enough to simply be born again. To be born again and placed in the family means that you have the obligation to grow. It means that you have to mature. As you mature, the sons act like the fathers. So that you could show up like Timothy and Corinth. You could show up anywhere in the world and say, Hey, when you look at me, you are seeing what it looks like to walk with God. When you talk with me, you're hearing someone who speaks the words of God. Now, was Paul an arrogant jerk? Or was he confident that God's work was inside of him? He looked at that church and said, imitate me and you're having a little problem doing it, so I'm going to send somebody who is doing it. Well, how'd you like to be in Timothy? I bet he wasn't the most popular day, his first, first popular guy, his first day in Corinth. The world is waiting on something. It's waiting on us to become more than church-attending Christians. More than casual Bible readers. You're supposed to be the most radical revolutionary force on the planet. When you walk into a dark place, light begins to happen. You know why? Because you're there. That's why Jesus Christ didn't say, you know what? Take my light and go shine it. What did he say? It's the last scripture. Brent closed with the scripture that I quoted to start the service and he wasn't in the room. Let your light shine before men. 
Let your light shine before men. A city on a hilltop can't be hidden. And we go through the, the whole thing. So let me ask you, do you have something to shine? Soon as you do that, soon as you think about that, what else is there that bothers you? Yeah, but there's this one thing. Or there's that thing. What is holding you back? What is the lampshade on your light that keeps you from pushing forward? So, and there's some in here that are just new enough that you just don't know enough to shine. You're, you're, you're twinkling like a little star, but you're not blazing like a torch because you just you need more oil poured in you. You need more word in you. But when you've been in the kingdom a while, let me ask, what is in the way? When you have a bright light source and something's in between you and it, you, what do you get? Are you living in the shadows? Are you hiding out in church? Hoping that if you just sit in the right place, kind of come in during the second song, leave right before the altar call, that you just kind of have a shadowy existence in the church? It won't work. It won't work. God doesn't abort His children. He will push you. He will lead you. He will drive you and He will call you. He'll, he'll do all of the above to get something from you. Put Ephesians 2. I told you three scriptures. I lied. It's four. It'll be my last one. Ephesians 2.10 on the screen. For we are God's workmanship. Now, don't skip over this. Who made you? He made you as a technon. That's what he did. You became his child, his offspring, his physical heir. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When you do that, you show yourself to be his huios in that you are like him. Now, did he make you inadequately? No, he didn't, did he? Look, some of you girls had a hard time answering that question. Your head said no and your complexion, your face, everything else said yes. The devil is a lying liar from a den of lying liars and crap weasels. You, 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 you have to learn to differentiate your thoughts from his. You, you have to. Did he make you inadequately? Then he made you in a way to reflect his image. And as you are led by his spirit, you do it more and more and more. And it's as if a baby Jesus has been formed into a full-grown son inside of you so that when people look at you they're looking at jesus so let me ask you what's your gestation period been i mean nine months a year 18 months you know at 22 months you get an elephant did you know that six weeks to get a rabbit 22 months to get an elephant apparently about three and a half years produces a disciple when jesus is doing it when we do it it takes a little longer but certainly not two decades. You are responsible to act like your father. Is there anybody in the room that wants to reflect his glory? Anybody in the room that's serious enough about it that you say, I will deal with anything that is causing a shadow in my life? If y'all stand to your feet.